The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Acts chapter 17. All right, good. Acts chapter 17. The Lord Jesus Christ was very serious when he gave his last words to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28. You're probably very familiar with that passage. All authority is given me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. And he gave that commandment to those disciples there. And uh, I believe there that uh, the command there was not to evangelize. The, the, you know, the, as you know, you've heard uh, many probably expositions on this passage. As you are going, the ver- first verb there is make disciples. We are to make disciples. That was Jesus' command. The assumption was that you are going. You did not need to command the disciples to evangelize. They had been with Jesus. They had seen his example. They had heard his sermons. And so at the end of his life, he said, now as you are going, make disciples by baptizing them and teaching them. And did that apply just to the disciples right there? The Bible tells us, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Okay, um, uh, and so we see there the command that uh, that Jesus Christ gave that we are to be making disciples. Now that's by the grace of God what we are seeking to do there in Hungary, and of course that's what God wants us to do here. Now we want to look at Acts chapter 17 and uh, kind of keep your finger here. This is we're gonna where we're gonna dig a little deeper here. But if you could just go back a, a, a page or so back, when Paul here on his second missionary journey uh, in Acts chapter 16 and verse 6, it says, "Now when they had passed, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia." Now, that would be modern-day Turkey, if you check your maps in the back of your Bible. Paul had, you know, he was a man that he didn't waste any time. He he didn't let any grass grow under his feet. I want to preach the gospel there in Asia, in Turkey. And the Holy Spirit said, no. Look at verse 7. He says, and after they were come to Mysia, again, the northern region there in what was modern-day Turkey, they assuaged, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Two times, no, no. Paul said, I want to go to Asia. And the Holy Spirit said, no. Of course, if we read on and take the time, uh, uh, that's where they're, the Macedonian vision. He had a vision of the man, Macedonia, which is modern-day Greece at this time. Okay, so crossing over the strait there, and now he went from Asia to Europe. And the Bible says that Paul did as he, you know, as, as he, he, he felt the, saw the leading of the Lord, the calling of the Lord there. Aren't you glad he did? Aren't you glad that Paul went from Asia and he did not go where he wanted to go, but instead he came to Europe and, of course, eventually the gospel to America. And we have the great privilege of Paul obeying there the Macedonian vision. He came there to Philippi, and who did he meet first? Who did he meet first there? 
Lydia, right? She was the first convert there. I think it's excellent. Verse 14, a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira. There's a little, little Bible quiz question there. Where was Lydia from? She was not from, she was not from Philippi. Uh, she came from the bedroom community of Thyatira, right? She was a seller of purple, but she came to the major city there, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. Paul said, I want to go to Asia. I want to preach the gospel here. And God said, no, I have a lady, Lydia, there. I want you to go to witness to her. And here he went there. I have a, you know, uh, uh, Viola Nini. I want you to go to Budapest. There's a, there's a lady there. Well, he went there. And if we pick up in the second missionary journey in Acts chapter 17. Now, in Acts chapter 17, we see Paul going to three main cities. Thessalonica, Berea, and Athens. Okay? So we see here, uh, chapter 17 and verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. Now, as you read that first verse there, uh, it kind of gives you a little travel log, but I think it's more than just a travel log. You read there, he went through Amphipolis and Apollonia, and he came to Thessalonica. You go, oh, Thessalonica. I, I know about Thessalonica. Sure. I mean, we can read about his ministry there in Thessalonica. In chapter 1, and how uh, tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. Many people saved. And it's like the whole region heard, hey, did you hear what happened in Thessalonica? And so there, the gospel came in a very powerful way there in Thessalonica. But, you know, I always wondered, in fact, not long ago, I looked it up on uh, Wikipedia, and it is, you know, Apollonia and Amphipolis. I mean, what about those cities? Paul went through Amphipolis. He went through Apollonia. The Bible does not record what he did there, or if he did anything. Certainly, I mean, does your Bible have uh, the epistle to the Apollonians there? Mine doesn't. And I mean, you know, what, what about those cities of Amphipolis and Apollonia? I mean, certainly there were people there, right? There were husbands and wives there. They had children. They went to school. I'm sure the men went out to work and they lived and they died without Christ. And I wonder, you know, 34 years ago, why did the gospel come to me? My neighbor never heard. The person I work with never heard. I mean, what about those in Amphipolis? What about those in Apollonia? Oh, yeah, Thessalonica. Oh, yeah, God's done a a wonderful work in my life. And many of you could stand up tonight and give wonderful testimony of how you trusted Christ as your Savior. How God may put your marriage back together again. How when, when Jesus Christ came into your life, he gave you new meaning and purpose. And God's in a wonderful thing. Thessalonia came to your house, to your family, to your heart. But what about Amphipolis and Apollonia? Why is it that God saved me and not my neighbors and not my relatives? Why did God save us? Well, again, as I mentioned, as I began, God says, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. How are you doing on that? And we're, we're well into 2013, right? How are you doing on that? 
Well, let's back it up another 2000, from 2012. Oh, boy, God's been good to me. Amen. Oh, the, the Lord's blessing. Yeah, Thessalonica, what a wonderful thing. But what about Apollonia? What about Amphipolis? What about those around us that have not yet heard the gospel? Paul says there in the end of verse 1, where was a synagogue of the Jews? Look at verse 2. And Paul, as his manner was. Now this is something that Paul did habitually when he came into a city. He went in unto them, into the synagogue of the Jews. Now you say, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought that Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Was he not? So why is he going to the Jews? Well, I think the gospel tells us, the Romans tells us that uh, the gospel was to go to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So chronologically, but I believe also you go to the book of Romans and you can see the tremendous burden that the apostle Paul had for his own fellow Jewish countrymen. Years ago when people would, missionaries would, uh, people would come to visit us when we were in Malaysia and they say, well, uh, uh, Brother Jim, what should I preach? And of course the standard answer is, however the Holy Spirit leads you, you know. And I was, you know, well, however the Holy Spirit leads you. And yet the, the burden of my heart was, but whatever you preach, would you fire up my people, my Malaysian Christians or my Hungarians, to get such a tremendous crushing burden to reach their own people for Christ. Paul went to the Jews, his own people. Ronard Park, <laughs> my people, my city. Verse 2, Paul, as his manner was, went on unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. What else, what else would he use? He'd use the Old Testament scriptures, of course. And if you could kernelize the gospel into one verse, you have an excellent little uh, kernel of the gospel and actually a good representation of the apostolic preaching in the book of Acts in verse 3. What did he preach? I'm sure he probably went to Isaiah 53. He says, opening and alleging, proving from the scriptures that Christ must needs have suffered. Now think about this. He's in there in the Jewish synagogue. They, they have a desire for the things of God. Uh, Paul went to the river. Why did he go to the river? That was from Psalm, or was that? Where, 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 when, when, when they had no synagogue, where did they worship God? They went down to the river. That's what he did in, in, in Philippi. He went to the synagogue. Those people were interested. And when those Jewish people said, oh, Christ, Christos, their ears picked up. You want to tell us about the Messiah? Oh, yes, I want to tell you about the Messiah. Let me tell you about the Messiah. How, verse 3, how he must needs have suffered. He probably again expounded there from Isaiah chapter 53, how the Messiah would suffer and how he would die. If you're here tonight without Christ as your Savior, the message that I would have for you today, tonight, is the same message that Paul preached in the synagogue. It's the very same message that we preach every Sunday in Budapest. It's a message that we have even for you here tonight, how that the Messiah must needs have suffered. Jesus Christ, when he was on this earth, he did many wonderful miracles. But that's not why Jesus Christ came. He, he, he taught many wonderful truths and sermons. 
And those were, you know, we read about them and, and, and they change our lives. But Jesus did not come just to teach. We read and we see the, we see the example of a sinless life. What a wonderful example to follow. And he had a tremendous example from which we can follow. But Jesus Christ came to die upon Calvary. That's why he came. How this, how, how opening that Christ must needs have suffered. And then if you look at the second part of that message there, and you see the emphasis on the apostolic emphasis on the, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, well, the resurrection from the dead, and risen again from the dead. And those Jews, that would have been new to them, okay? How the Christ, yes, he will die and he will suffer and he'll die, but he will be risen again. And what a message we have today of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death, sin, brings forth death. But in Jesus Christ, we have new life. It's a message that we preach again every Sunday. Uh, uh, there, there in, 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 in Budapest, the resurrection. When I was a youth evangelist, you know, neighborhood Bible time? You know, we are both church Bible time. You, you know what I mean? Okay, neighborhood Bible time, no? And, uh, uh, yeah, that, that wasn't a dancing thing, okay? All right, that, that, was, that, that was the booster cheer, okay? And I was one day, I was preaching to the young kids, and I was describing, you know, they took Jesus Christ, they hung him up on the post, and they whipped him, and the corn of thro- crown of thorns on his head, and they, you know, and, and I just was really uh, illustrating the, the, the death of the cross. When I was done, a, an elderly Christian man, I thank God, he, did, he came up to me, and he says, you know, Brother Jim, yeah, that was wonderful, you preached about the death of Christ, and how he died and all the things that he suffered. He says, but when you do that, don't forget the resurrection. Sin brings forth death. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. What is the gospel? In that he died for, what's the next word? Our sin, not his sin. No, he was sinless. The sinless one died for the sinful ones. How he died for our sins was buried. And the third day he rose again from the dead. What a tremendous message that we have. You know, your neighbor, your friend, the person you go to work with. Oh, yeah, work tomorrow. Oh, oh. back to school. Oh, oh school quizzes. Ah. Tomorrow you have a tremendous, wonderful message. How that the Messiah, look at uh, verse 3. How the Messiah, he must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus, whoa, 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 the Jews would have said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought you're talking to us about the Messiah. Tell us about the Messiah. And he said, no, no. But this, now Joel, he was that guy in Jerusalem they put on a cross with those thieves and robbers. That was, that was Jesus, that guy of Nazareth, right? The Nazarene. And that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And this was a tremendous, powerful message that he preached there in the synagogue. When he preached the gospel, what happened? Look at verse 4. And some of them believed. Now, let me, let me say that again. <laughs> and some of them believed. He went in the synagogue, and boy, you know, I, I, I can't imagine what it was like. And he preached the word of God. Did all of them believe? 
<laughs> no. Only a fool would think everybody, you know, everybody hears the gospel is going to get saved. I wish it was the case, but that's not the case. And some of them believed. And it says there, uh, if you finish, finish the verse, and consorted with Paul and Silas, and the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and a chief women, not a few. Friends, we have a tremendous, powerful message. Okay? Let's go back to verse 1. The gospel came to me and to you, right? Thank God for what he's done. But here's a whole city now that does not know the gospel. So Paul is preaching about the Messiah who died and suffered, and he rose again from the dead, and some of them believed. And that's why we're in Hungary today. That's why we're there. You know, our dear brother, uh, somewhere, led the songs. Yes, he prayed this morning. Thank you for the sacrifice of the kinesis. <laughs> I'm sorry. Great prayer. But folks, being on the mission field is not a sacrifice. There is no, it, so folks, it's a privilege. I cannot tell you. You know, people come to Budapest. I hear tourists say, oh, look how beautiful. I say, I live here. When you serve the Lord, every day is a vacation. Oh, you go to some long, distant field and you're separated from loved ones and, oh, you're so... (laughs) It's a great privilege to be a missionary. It's a tremendous... To be there and to be sharing the word of God and to be be, 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 be seeing people saved. And in our our service, you that get the munchies, you know, we sing, ring the bells of heaven. I haven't heard any phones ringing. Come on. Haven't heard any phones ringing yet. We sing, ring, ring. Let's ring the bells. Come on, let's ring the bells. Uh, You know, ring the bells of heaven. And and then one soul got saved and, you know, people are are rejoicing and that soul got saved. Folks, you know, it still works today. People are still getting saved today. You say, whoa, 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 a time out, Brother Canise. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you're having such a good ministry in Hungary, you know. I'm glad that souls are getting saved in, in, in Budapest. But this is California. <laughs> hey, hey, this is Roner Park. People don't listen to the gospel anymore, brother. People aren't getting saved anymore. Oh my, what have we been listening to and who have we been believing? A couple of weeks ago, I was in a, a Goodwill store. Some of you guys can, I'm sure, feel my pain on this story here. And my wife is there and she's out shopping, you know, looking around the store. I'm just kind of milling around by the cashiers, you know. And one of the employees' ladies comes up, as she comes up and says, Are you ready? I said, I'm ready. <laughs> I, I'm ready. And so she kind of walks over this way, and uh, I, I kind of go up to her, you know, and she says, are you ready? I said, yeah, I'm ready. What are we doing? She says, well, are you ready to check out? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to check out. I, I, in fact, I did 34 years ago. I trusted Christ as my Savior. And if you would receive Christ as your Savior, you can be ready to check out too. I was coming to church tonight. 
I was coming over the hill. Now, my, my mind works like a computer, okay? I mean, everything, okay, now, you know, the light just changed from red to green, and it's going to be about this, this long, and, and I, this lane's got this car, and if, well, if I go in this lane, and, you know, I, that's kind of the way. Yeah. There was one motorcycle there, and this lane was empty. So I went in the empty lane. It's right over the bridge, you know, like coming to the church. And I looked to the, I looked to the left there, and it was a, motor, a guy on a motorcycle, and actually it was a Chips, Chips, you know, uh, Chips motorcycle policeman, you know. Now, I don't like long red lights. Do you like long red lights? Oh, California. Ever heard of timing your lights? Oh, you know, the, anyway, another story. So I was, I was thankful for the long light. Eventually, he looked back at me. I rolled down my window, and I said, hey, how you doing? And, uh, oh, you know, this and that. And, and uh, I'm talking to him. And he says, oh, where are you going? I said, well, I'm just going up here to the church. I'm a missionary. And uh, would love to have you come. How long are you going to be working? He said, well, for two, for two more minutes. Oh, listen, you know, Berean up here, uh, it, it, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm a missionary. I'm going to be there. And you should come. And he says, well, I'm a Catholic. He says, well, I was a Catholic too. <laughs> you know? And I said to him, I said, you know, religion will, not, hey, folks, the light is red. I mean, you know, the, the time, timer's going, okay? All right? And so I said, uh, 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 listen, religion will never take you to heaven. He said, oh, I like that. I said, you like what? That saying you just said, yeah, I'm not a religious person, you know? And I believe that he will never forget that. Just before, I, I said, hey, I said to him, I said, hey, you want to race across the intersection? <laughs> He said, he says, yeah, go ahead. I'll be right behind you. <laughs> oh, my folks, we have opportunities to preach. This happened just before I came here. We got opportunities to preach everywhere. The woods are full of them. Did you see that? The wood, they're, they're everywhere. This, you know, this poor soul over here, look, he's all by himself in this section here. Look how many rows of, of, of empty chairs we've got here. But you say, oh no, I tried that witnessing thing. I tried that giving out tracts. I tried to witness to my relatives. I went home as a new Christian and said, oh, man, I, I, I trust that Christ is my Savior. And, and boy, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm on my way to heaven now. And you thought your relatives would, you know, that they'd be happy. And I, yeah, what? And you know, they laugh at you, they gossip about you, they tell stories, and you know, hey, there's the fundamentalist, the Baptist. You see, you know, I just, it just, it just it doesn't work anymore. Shortly after I was saved, God called me in the ministry. I was in, working for the U.S. Post Office, it was a very well-paying job. I went to my mother, who was unsaved at the time, and I said, Mom, God's called me to be a preacher, a, a preacher, and I'm going to leave my job and go into the ministry. Oh, she was not happy. She says, oh, don't do that, Jimmy. No, that, that, that brain church has got your brainwashed. Don't do that. That's foolish. Well, I broke the heart of my mother, and I went to Bible college. In the middle of my sophomore year, I came home on a Friday. She was there. She, like all good moms, you can write to this mom. He made a sandwich for their baby boy. 
And as I was bringing it up to my mouth, she said, Chimmy, that's just my mom calls me that, all right? Chimmy, when you're done eating your sandwich, I want you to show me how, show me how I can be saved. I put my sandwich down, took my Bible, I, and I had the privilege of leading my mother to Christ. Oh, she began, she began to be my greatest prayer warrior. And she would pray for me many, many times. Eight years ago when she was uh, right at the end of her life, uh, we all gathered on her bedside about eight years ago. And she hung on for a while, a good stubborn German, you know. And um, like me too, anyway. Uh, and for some reason, I was there by myself at 1030 on a Friday morning. And I saw her take a deep breath, her eyes open wide. She went out into eternity. And for some of you here tonight, one of the greatest burdens that you carry, one of the gnawing burdens, if you allow yourself to think about it, is that your mom is not saved. Your brother's not saved. For some of you here, you older folks, maybe your children were a part of this church ministry for many years. But somehow the devil, the world's got them, they're out in the world, and you're not even sure that they're saved. And there was a time when you prayed for your lost loved one. And you thought, Lord, you know, would you reach him for Christ? But that's been a long time since you've prayed. Since you maybe shed a tear over your lost loved one. And even right now, the Holy Spirit could put a picture of the person in your mind right now. That guy that works in the next cubicle or maybe down the assembly line. That young, that, 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 that other student that you go to school with. That neighbor that's been, you know, ornery because your kid's threw the ball on his tulips or, or something like that. And, and he's c- kind of cranky because it's this and this happened and that happened. And you know, How are they going to get saved? Because if they die without Christ, we know what the Bible says. They're tr- uh, the, 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 the uh, eternity for hell for them. Folks, Paul preached the gospel there in the synagogue and some of them believed. And you can say, thank the Lord for Thessalonica. Thank the Lord that I'm saved. But what about that one that doesn't know that you live with, that you work with your very own flesh and blood? We have this idea, well, I'll pray for him, brother. I'll pray, and somehow, someday, super Christian, SC, super Christian, you know, hands out 100 gospel tracts. He's going to come to my relative, and that's how they're going to get saved. Right? You say, oh, brother Jim, I'll come to Hungary and be a missionary. I'll go to Brazil. I'll go to China. I'll go everywhere, but don't ask me to go to my relatives. My relatives, you know, hard-headed. The guy I work with, my neighbor. And some of them believed. Who is it right now? Jesus said, I want you to make disciples. How are you doing on that? Verse 5, chapter 17. How did my Bible get to Matthew 3? I don't know.
verse 5. But the Jews which believe not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now you're talking about my, my, my story. Verse 4, and some of them believed. Verse 5, but the Jews which believe not. Yes, when you preach the gospel, some will believe. That's why you need to go to that person that the Holy Spirit of God is saying to you. You need to call them. You need to witness to them. You need to go over and visit them. You need to go across the street. You need to go to the next desk. You need to go down to the next cubicle. You need to go because some of them will believe. But yes, some believe not. And when you decide, yes, I'm going to have a broken heart for souls again. I'm going to see this, my community, like, like I used to see it before. Pastor, I'm going to get behind you and, and let's go out and get some of them. The, deer, the woods are full of them. And when you do that, you know what happens? The devil's right there. Oh, he'll, he'll be sure to get you discouraged. He'll be sure. You, you know how you, you, know, you go door to door and, and, and you ring the doorbell and you, you inside, well, I hope they're not home. <laughs> you know, your palms get a little sweaty. You know, wait, uh, the guy there, I, oh, he knows me. So what am I, you know, I, 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 hope, I hope they're not there. Yeah, the devil will be right there. But the Jews which believe not, even though that comes, we cannot give up understanding that Jesus Christ wants us to make disciples. So he's there in Thessalonica. Let's, let, let, let's put it in, let's press the, the accelerator a little bit here. He goes to Thessalonica. He preaches the gospel. Many get saved. He go, he, the, the Jews, unbelieving Jews, stir up the people. And in Paul, he did a very difficult thing. You read First Thessalonians chapters 2 and 3. He loved the, the Thessalonian believers. And he was not there a long time. Maybe three, maybe six weeks at the longest. And he goes to the second city, Berea. Look at Berea, verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto, and here's the second city, Berea, who coming thither went into the McDonald's, went into the best, no, 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 no. He went into the synagogue of the Jews, verse 2, as his manner was. Verse 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. They were sitting, those were the front row Baptists. Perfect choice tonight. They were right there. They wanted to, their Bibles were, well, you know, their scriptures were open. Is this really true? And it says there in verse 12, therefore... Many of them believe, and also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of the men, not a few. And so here there's a, is, is even a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Here, many, many of them believed, okay? So the first, Thess- first, first city, Thessalonica, he preached the word of God. Some believed, some believed not. He stirred up the people. He had to go to the second city, Berea. Now he preached again. Many people trusted Christ as their Savior. But what's going to happen? And what's going to happen? The devil's going to work. Look at the next verse. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached to Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. Oh, no, here comes those, those guys again. <laughs> I mean, here, you know, these people just got saved, and they need to grow. If you could understand how Paul, he was not just interested in evangelizing. Thank God for people that get saved. That's a wonderful thing. That's just the first part of the, one, one of the small parts of the Great Commission. Now we need to ground them and teach them the word of God. And there, there was such a thing that was happening at Berea. Paul left Silas and Timothy at Berea. You know, it tore his heart out to see these new believers and he could not stay with them. And so what happened was Paul by himself, 
went and he went to the third city of Athens. Now, when Paul went to that third city of Athens, something happened. He saw, he saw something he had never, ever seen before. It was like, And he told those men that brought him from Berea, go back to Berea and tell Silas and Timothy to come here as fast as they can. What was it about Athens? Now, your pastor is going to tell you what Paul did at Athens. You come back on Easter, right, pastor? Easter Sunday, he's going to preach for him for, about Athens. I'm not going to preach this sermon. He's going to do that, okay? He's going to continue where I leave off, okay? Paul said, hey, Tell Silas and Timothy to come here as fast as they can. Why? Look what he says here. He says in verse 15, They that conducted Paul brought him unto, here's the third city, Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timothy, for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now, verse 16, While Paul waited for them, who? Silas and Timothy, at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Paul came into Athens that day, and he says, Oh my, I've never seen a city like this. We've got the temple to Diana there, and to Zeus here, and on every street corner there's idols everywhere. Oh my, Athens is a city wholly given to idolatry. Silas and Timothy, come here as fast as you can. Now I can relate to the Apostle Paul when I was a missionary in Kuala Lumpur. You know, I knew what it was like. Our, our young, our, 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 our church members, they would go home, and in their home, they had their little idol shelves where they had pictures of their dead ancestors and other idols, little cups of tea and fruit to offer to their, un, to their departed relatives. I remember when they would go to their Buddhist temples and have all these, these demonic-looking uh, uh, gods that they would worship. The Thai Pusan festival of the Tamil Indians. How they would take these six foot long, about as thick as my thumb, rods, and they would pierce through their cheek on this side and out that side. They would have these, these, these like knitting needles length, and they would, they would pierce their tongues. You never saw any blood. They would take flesh hooks and peel, you know, put the flesh away and put flesh hooks in their, in their chest and in their back, and they would walk down the street. And I thought, oh my. Kuala Lumpur is a city wholly given to idolatry. I've been to Athens. I was there a couple months ago. And, you know, it's not much different today. And, you know, even, you know, here Paul says, Oh, my, here is a city wholly given to idolatry. Something has got to be done. And it says there in verse 16, it says, When Paul saw the city, he says his spirit was stirred within him. See that in verse 16? He says his spirit was stirred in him. That idea of stirred in him is the idea of being provoked to anger. It's the same idea when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the tablets of stone. He saw the nations of, of Israel living in wickedness, worshiping the golden calf, and he was provoked to anger. He cast down the stones. Paul came into Athens and he said, oh my, what's going on? Look at this city. It's wholly given to idolatry. This is not right. This something has got to be done. but you don't have to worry about that here in Rohnert Park, (laughs) you know. 
It's okay because, you know, Roner Park, you, you don't have those multicolored temples here, right? You, you don't have, I mean, that changes California. Things are changing. I, I understand, okay? I mean, you don't have those people, you know, uh, uh, piercing themselves through. Maybe your unsaved neighbor gets a, gets a fish hook caught in his finger, maybe, you know? Roner Park, you know, it's not a city wholly given to idolatry, right? Excuse me? Hello? That's not your phone ringing, okay? Hello? Have you seen it? When you drive home tonight and you pull into your subdivision, you come up to your neighborhood... Have you looked around recently? Do we not live in a city wholly given to idolatry? And if that is so, should that not stir up our spirit? My, that's not right. Thank the Lord I'm saved. Thank the Lord for Thessalonica. But what about Amphipolis? Apollonia? What about those people that live and, 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 and eat and drink, married and given in marriage, and they never know of Christ? People you live with, the person at the checkout store at Walmart, the guy at the gas station. What about the, what about the relatives? What about those people that we will meet tomorrow and the next day? Ronard Park is a city wholly given to idolatry. You know, Berean Baptist Church, you folks have supported us for 25, 26 years. How can, I, how can I not be but thankful for that? Pray for us as your missionaries. We want to do, and we are your representatives, we count it a very serious responsibility. You are to reach the whole world. You can't all go to Hungary, so I'm your representative. And you want me to be doing there what you're doing here, right? Pray for us. But let me ask you a question. How are you doing in making disciples? I don't know what the exact figures are, but it's very sad when you hear of of. The average Christian, many, many, many Christians, never lead one soul to Christ ever. And, you know, we could have a testimony tonight, time tonight. Thank God for what he's done for me. Oh, he provided this need. Thank God for the blessings. But what about those around us? Who is it right now that the Holy Spirit would put in your mind and in your heart? Boy, I need to witness to that person. For some of you, your grandparents are getting up there, health issues, they're without Christ. Oh God, would you give me one more opportunity? My dad is so stubborn, I've tried before. Lord, would you open up his heart? He needs to be saved. Would he break your heart tonight for your unsaved relative? Who is it? How are we going to fill these chairs? Paul saw Spirit was stirred, and he preached. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Let's all...
bow our heads in the word of prayer. Father, tonight, I'm so thankful for this church, for the faithfulness of Pastor Smith and his family as they've labored and ministered. Lord, I'm thankful for what you've done through this church. And Lord, you know you want to do so much more. There are so many living in Apollonia and Amphipolis and need to hear the gospel. Lord, tonight, the Spirit of God is showing us, there's people here tonight that have, have uh, they, they, they've lost the vision. They've lost the burden. And Lord, there's people all around us that need to trust Christ as their Savior. Lord, I pray for there's some here tonight that have an, an unsaved mom. And I thank God that my mom's in heaven tonight. But Lord, some have not yet gotten over that burden and that, that obstacle, that, that need. Lord, I pray that you'll deal in our hearts. I pray the young people, oh, our young people, there's so many that need to stand for Christ and tell of Christ. These older folks here tonight, Lord, I pray that you'd deal in our hearts. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if the Spirit of God spoke to you tonight, maybe in some way the Spirit of God put that, your unsaved dad on your heart again. That co-worker, that person you go to school with, that neighbor. And you say, you know, Brother Jim, would you just pray for me? And I thank God I'm saved. God's done some wonderful things in my life. But I can see tonight, I need to see, I need to see, like, like Paul saw in his spirit. I, I think the, the Spirit of God is, is stirring up my spirit a little bit tonight. And you say, there's somebody, there's somebody that I, the, I can picture that person right now in my mind. There's someone that I need to ask God to open up their heart to give me another opportunity to witness that person. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's someone uh, across the street. But you say, tonight, the Spirit of God spoke. The Spirit of God did not speak to your heart. That's fine. But if you're here tonight, you say, please pray for me. I'm a Christian. I experience the blessings of the Lord. But please pray for me. There's somebody that I need to go and witness to. And at the first opportunity that I have, God being my witness, I want to uh, witness that person for Christ. We say, God spoke to my heart tonight. Would you raise up your hand and say, yes, please pray for me. All right, thank you. A number of hands. Amen. All right. Maybe you're here tonight and it's just been a long time. If you're really honest tonight with the Lord, you can fool me, you can fool your pastor, but you can't fool the Lord. And if you're here tonight and you say, you know, it's, it's been a while since I've really witnessed for Christ. I used to carry tracks with me, but for some reason, somehow, I, ju- I just, I got too busy. And tonight, really, God, we need to change. Yeah, Berean Baptist Church, you know, as a result of these decisions tonight, there's no reason why we're going to see some people saved tonight. Let's all stand together as we pray. Can we do that? Let's all stand as we pray. In a moment, I'm going to pray. I did not ask Pastor about the invitation. and uh, Usually churches are accustomed to doing what they're accustomed to, and I, I'm not sure what you folks do. Uh, I'm going to give one of those old-fashioned altar calls. Um, why, why would I do that? Well, you, you don't have to come to an altar. You don't have to make an outward visible decision. But you know what we need to witness to those, <laughs> those at God's garden? We need grace. And God says, when I humble myself, book of James, God gives me grace. Maybe for some of you, God's put somebody on your heart and you say, humanly speaking, that, that it's an impos- that's an impossible thing. But maybe in a moment when we just, uh, just keep our heads bowed, the piano will will play and, and you just come down to this altar right here and just get on your knees and say Lord you know just, just talk to the Lord Lord I, you know my, my dad 
uh, Lord, I need, I need to witness to him. Lord, open up an op- another opportunity. Lord, that person I work with, Lord, open up another opportunity. Father, I pray that you do our, your work that you want to do in our hearts. Father, tonight you, you saw a, a number of hands, and, and Lord, you know the burdens that, that, that have been kind of uh, 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 below the surface. But Lord, give us, Lord, our time is short. Our, uh, uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us use every opportunity we have. And I pray for these uh, individuals, Lord, you know every single person and the person you're laying on their heart. And Lord, might we see even this Sunday souls that will be saved as a result of the decisions tonight. As we keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed and maybe the piano will just play something quietly. And uh, maybe I would encourage you, would you just step up? Maybe you have done it for a long time. Maybe you think that's, a, that's kind of a weird thing to do. But uh, let, me, let me encourage you to do that. Why don't you go ahead and just go ahead and play something. And maybe you'd come to this uh, uh, altar tonight and get on your knee, knees and just say, Lord, would you please give me another opportunity tonight? Would you do that? Some folks are coming. Would you come and join them here? Uh, Lord, just, uh, you know, Lord, you got to do something. I, I, I want to see my unsaved relative saved. A number of you raised your hands. I prayed for you. Can I encourage you to step out? Just step out where you are. Everyone will get out of your way and just come. Let me encourage you to come. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church. 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.